Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Um, speaking of Christmas, one of the prophecies that was fulfilled by Jesus when he was born in Bethlehem, and it's, it's actually quoted later in the gospel story, comes from Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. You're going to know this, this verse. It says, For to us a child is born. A son has been given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But I want you to really look at verse 7. The increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So for 2,000 years, the government of Jesus has been increasing through God's people. And for almost two years, too many Christians around the world have been shrinking back, not advancing. Too many Christians have been giving in to fear and to just thinking like the world. And some people are like, well, I just, I just needed to take a break and just stand still. So here's the problem. When for 2,000 years the kingdom of Jesus has been advancing, to stand still is backsliding. The kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing for 2,000 years, and it happens through the hearts of people. So for going into 2022, man, I am pumped. I'm excited to be advancing, to be taking back ground that was stolen by, uh, by the enemy, and, and we're going to be an uncommon church. We will not give in to fear. We will not give in to uh, divisiveness in, in, in the government and, and people wanting to pit each other against one another. Uh, we will not give in to secular thinking and secular reasoning. Uh, the people of God should look different, sound different. We should be uncommon. We're a people of faith. We're led by faith. We need to act like it. So, um, and and not just on Sundays for an hour and a half, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we are a people of faith. So I know it was in the video, but I just want to remind you verbally, because it's good to get multiple uh, sources of of how we're doing things, announcements, if you will. The way we're doing Christmas this year is uh, we're going to have our big Christmas celebration. In fact, it's actually called Rejoice on Sunday, the... um, the 19th, 10 o'clock, everybody. So here's the deal. You, those little invite cards that say rejoice, they're back at the connect table, they're out in the lobby. Please take some of those and invite people to come out to church because in Texas, people will come to church on Christmas and Easter. So it's, you already have an open door. But like, hey, where are you going to church? I'd like to invite you to my church. My church does a great job for Christmas every year. We're gonna really celebrate Jesus. So um, now I will also warn you, we're not gonna water down what we do. Like, we're going to do what we do. So if we're going to pray for the sick, we're going to pray for the sick. If we're going to shout, we're going to shout. Like, we're not just going to tone it down because there's going to be visitors here. We are going to worship an uncommon God. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be us. So that's going to be on Sunday. I guess that's just in three weeks, on the 19th. In two weeks, y'all better get to Christmas shopping because the shelves are empty. So, um, so um, and then that following Wednesday, the 22nd, instead of presence and prayer, um, and instead of doing it on Christmas Eve when a lot of people will be traveling and going to grandma's house, on, on Wednesday night, the 22nd, we're gonna, we're gonna rearrange the entire room and we're gonna do a candlelight Christmas carol service right here in the middle of the room. It's gonna be beautiful. And I will say this, Sunday will be live streamed like normal, live streamers, but that Wednesday night Christmas carol service be no live stream, must be present to win. So uh, we're really excited about that. And then that following Sunday, the 26th, the day after Christmas, there will be no service on campus. 
gather the family and all of your toys and uh, tune in at 10 o'clock to our YouTube channel and then we're gonna have a pre-recorded service because we want all of our dream teams to take the day off and just rest because you guys work so hard for 51 weeks a year. We're so grateful for our dream teams, all of the people that serve to make church happen. Speaking of dream teams, if you're on a dream team, this Friday night is our big camping trip out to Sky Ranch in Van, Texas. Man, we're really excited to go camping with you. And just, I'm so excited that we get to do this. So uh, we'll see you for dinner at Sky Ranch at six o'clock on Friday. So um, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I encourage you to take our growth track in January and get signed up to serve on a dream team in 2022. So I saw that the kids were in for worship and then they left, so I, I won't ruin Christmas for your kids on the 19th or the 22nd, but I also, it's every year I have to ruin Christmas a little bit, and I will let you know that in case you're new to Jesus stuff, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th on the Gregorian calendar. Uh, I just thought you should know that. Um, in fact, he was probably born in late September or early October, but um, the Bible doesn't tell us. So the origins of, of Christmas in the West, as we know it, actually comes from the Romans, is where the church exploded, was in Rome 2,000 years ago. The problem was the church in Rome was kind of had one foot in the Jesus world and one foot in the Roman pagan world, and they were trying to find a time to celebrate the birth of Jesus because there was a God, a Roman God, whose birth was celebrated around the winter solstice. So they, they picked that time of year, and it was already woven in to celebrate during uh, the, the winter winter holiday. Um, it, was, it was when they would celebrate and sacrifice to um, the god Saturn, not the planet, but the deity of sowing and reaping. And um, so the Christians kind of felt like if they would add in the celebration of Jesus's birth, it would get all the Romans to celebrate. And then at the same time, or, or a little bit after, in uh, what was I mean, now it's Europe, but it would have just been like the Nordic Germanic area. They already had a winter solstice festival uh, that would um, sacrifice and celebrate the pagan god of Odin. And that's where we get the trees in the house, and that's where we get the Yule log. And, and you add all of that up, and you fast forward you know, 2,000 years, that's where we get some very murky Christmas details. Um, so, but I mean, today, obviously, if you love Jesus, we just, we pick it and we're like, I know he might, wasn't born in December, but we pick it and we, we, this is when we choose to worship Jesus and uh, celebrate his birth. My only little caveat warning, if you will, the Bible didn't tell us when Jesus was born. And that's actually a very important thing to note because the Bible is very specific on dates and times. So to not mention when Jesus was actually born means God didn't really want us to get our eyes off of Jesus and onto all the pagan traditions, which is exactly what we did. <laughs> and parents with kids, I know my kids are grown now, but people often ask Josie and I, so do, do you celebrate Christmas? Um, yes, we absolutely celebrate Christmas. We love Christmas. It's the coziest time of the year. It's the familiest time of the year. But I will say this. We do Christmas a little bit differently. All the focus is on Jesus. We don't do any Santa Claus. We don't do any elves. We don't do any mysticism. We want to teach our kids the reality of the power of God and not the fake and, you know, all that. So, so yes, we absolutely do Christmas, but our, it's a super amped up Jesus celebration of Christmas. Uh, we don't mix in any of the fake stuff. So our, our kids never did Santa Claus and all that. So, uh, and then I wanna look today at the scriptures and I wanna look at what Jesus, believe it or not, and I know this might shock and offend some of you, Jesus didn't celebrate Christmas. No, seriously. I should write a book, this is amazing. Uh, Jesus was a good Jew. 
So you have to think of everything through the Jewish lens, through the Jewish perspective. Jesus didn't celebrate Christmas. He didn't celebrate pagan holidays. Jesus celebrated what the Jews celebrate in December, and that's Hanukkah. And um, today I want to talk about Hanukkah. Um, I've, I've never, in all my years of teaching and preaching, I've never, ever, never talked about Hanukkah, but I, there's so much to unpack that I think is going to help you and kind of like have some aha moments. So Jesus celebrated Hanukkah, and since all of you had WWJD bracelets 20 years ago, I figured you would want to do what Jesus did, and you would want to know more about Hanukkah. Some people are like, Jesus did not celebrate Chanukah. That, that it has nothing to do with Jesus. John chapter 10 and verse 22, at that time, during the Feast of Dedication, it took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple of the colonnade of Solomon. The Jews gathered around him and said, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I did tell you, and you didn't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you did not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So it's winter time. Uh, Jesus and the boys uh, packed up the mules and the donkeys, and they started heading south to celebrate Hanukkah in Jerusalem. Now, I need to point out to you that if, when you read the gospel stories, they were headquartered. Jesus HQ was in northern Israel on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. So, but, but because they wanted, Jesus wanted him and the team to celebrate Hanukkah, they packed up and they went to Jerusalem. And I know that um, it was referred to by John as the Feast of Dedication. It's also referred to as the Festival of Lights, but it's, it's Hanukkah. In fact, the word Hanukkah means dedication. So it's the Festival of Dedication. Now, some people will be like, I don't remember Hanukkah being in the Law of Moses. Well, that's because you are correct. It is not one of the seven feasts that God commanded the Jews to keep. That would be Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, uh, which these last feasts we just had in the fall, which would be Rosh Hashanah, and then the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and then the final one, the seventh one, was the Feast of Tabernacles, which was Shavuot. And there were three of those seven that the Jews were instructed, if you were able, you have to get to Jerusalem, bring the whole family and celebrate in Jerusalem. That was Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. So Hanukkah was a new festival for the Jews because it only occurred about 200, about 187 years before Jesus. So this is a, a, a technically brand new festival that the Jews were celebrating this great miracle that God did for the Jewish people. And the funny thing is, it happened in that that period of time that we don't talk about much because we don't have any kind of biblical um, narrative from, from Malachi to Matthew is what we call the intertestamental period. It's actually Malachi to Mark. Mark was the first gospel written. I know that Matthew comes first, but it would have been from Malachi to Mark that was about, you guys don't mind if I teach a little, do you? Because some of you look at me like, why are you talking about all of this? So to teach you something, you're gonna learn something good. So during this, it was what we call a dark time in Israel's history. We, we, we say that, that, that God wasn't speaking in this, this intertestamental period, those 400 years. God is always speaking. God is always working behind the scenes. And God was creating a landing strip for Jesus to be born. Because God did this amazing miracle in the Jews. And I know it wasn't recorded in our canon of Scripture. It's not in the, the traditional Bible that we hold to. But these, this is, God did this. This is a real story. This isn't some fake made-up thing. And I don't think that Jesus would have celebrated Hanukkah if he wasn't celebrating a great miracle that God did for the Jewish people about 200 years before. So it's in round numbers, 187 years, um, the Jewish people had not been faithful to the Lord after the, the whole Persian and, 
and Babylonian uh, nonsense that they went through that you read about through the, the prophetic books. And um, it, <clears throat> the Syrian Greeks, so the, the Greek empire was taking over the world. So, of course, it started in, in, in Athens and it spread all over the known, the Mediterranean world. Greek culture was dominating the world. And, it, it, and, and then when that got to the, the Syrians or the Syriacs, it, it became militant. And they put together an army, and you know about Alexander the Great, and they, they went out and they conquered and, and they forced people into Greek culture. So um, what happened was there was an army that came down from the north in Syria that was led by Antichus IV. And he brought this pagan Greek god culture to the land of Israel and the Jewish people. And there was a little bit of a fight, but at the end of the day, the Jews were like, y'all gonna bring that cool Greek culture that everybody else is doing? Y'all come on in. And um, Antichus destroyed Judaism in Israel and in Jerusalem. He took over the temple, and he even put a statue of Zeus in the temple in Jerusalem, and he called people to worship. Um, they snuffed out the menorah, which was the, the light, uh, the oil lamp that God said that should always be lit in the presence of the Lord, even to the, really add insult to injury and let the Jews know that they had been conquered. He sacrificed pigs on God's altar in the temple. Something ever since God picked Abraham, you know, thousands of years before this, he's like, Abe, through you and uh, your kids and your grandkids, uh, I'm going to do something special for the world. The Jewish people have always been a target. And, um, and that's true for God's people as well. There's a target on your back because you represent an ever-advancing kingdom of God on the earth. And the devil hates God's people. And he's always trying to destroy us. He's always trying to kill our faith. He's always trying to kill our devotion. We've seen it in recent years where there have been um, attacks, anti-Semitic attacks against Jews in Paris, in London, in New York, in, in, La in California, Los Angeles. I mean, what is the Holocaust, but, you know, where Nazi Germany um, uh, murdered six million Jews. The, the government classified people that you had to show your papers to prove that you were a part of the government-approved people. And if you were a Jew, man, you were bad. And eventually they were imprisoned and put into labor camps and murdered because of their Jewish beliefs. But um, it all started with police just checking people's papers to see if they had the correct papers, if you could shop here, if you could travel here. We went from two weeks to flatten the curve to show me your papers. <laughs> I did not see that coming so quickly. <laughs> we see, if you, if you go back, the Jews were slaughtered during the Spanish Inquisition. Go back to the medieval times, about you know, 1000 AD, and they had the Crusades where they were slaughtering Jews and Muslims. And then go back to 70 AD where Rome ransacked Jerusalem, tore down the temple, and, and slaughtered the Jews. See, there's always been anti-Semitism ever since God picked one people group and said, these are my people. So there's different kinds of anti-Semitism. There's outward and inward. Now, I gave you all examples of outward anti-Semitism, that, that, that the devil stirred up anger and hatred in people, and they attacked God's people. But there's also like inward, where they destroy themselves. Go back even further in the Bible and look at the, the book of Esther. If you haven't read that, maybe take it as some homework this week. It's just a few chapters, but what a great read, where the Persians wanted to destroy the Jews, but God raised up uh, Esther, queen, 
and uh, her, um, I don't mean queen, you know, like Beyonce queen, I mean like queen, and, um, and, and then her, her uncle Mordecai, and because of their bravery, they saved the nation of Israel from this attack. But then we look at the story today of Hanukkah, and this is how God saved the Jewish people from themselves, from their own inward backsliding. Because when the Syrian Greeks came down south into Israel, Jews embraced this pagan Greek culture. It was cool to be Greek. And uh, they're even known as, as Hellenistic Jews because of the way that they embraced the world's thinking around them. They, the Jews, were their own worst enemy. Because sometimes God's people, we make terrible decisions. Sometimes we are not living fully devoted to God. Sometimes we allow sin back into our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our entertainment. And we, we allow sin and unbelief into how we view scripture. We start skipping church and we, 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 we don't read our Bible and we don't spend any time in prayer and we're not being generous and we're not serving and we're just on the outskirts and eventually people of faith fall away and begin thinking like, talking like, and acting like the world around us. So when the Greeks came and conquered Jerusalem in you know, 200 BC, basically the Jews gave up a little bit like, oh no, don't make us become cool Greeks. But at the end of the day, the Jews were like, yeah, we kind of want to become cool Greeks. Like we want to be like the rest of the world. We're sick of being these weird Jewish, Hebrew, circumcised, kosher eating, festival keeping. Like it's just weird. And in a way, the Jews allowed the Greeks to shut down worship at the temple. They, they allowed the pagan worship of Zeus and um, snuffing out the menorah and sacrificing pigs on the altar. They didn't fight for their faith. They didn't fight for what they believed. And the Jews started acting like Greeks. They allowed the government to shut down their worship. I know that you guys can't imagine that, but they allowed the government to shut down their worship. They allowed the government to, to make them think that they had to think like Greeks and, 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 and not act like people of faith, but act like people of the world, which led them to idol worship. But see, God will always raise up a remnant of devoted people. So the Hanukkah story is all because of, of, of one man, a priest, that was raised up, and he raised up a little ragtag army of people that were devoted to God, that wanted to be faithful to God, and they fought against the Greeks to keep their Jewish faith. God's always gonna raise up a remnant to stand for truth, even if it's unpopular. Even if the whole world says, you gotta think this way, you gotta believe this way, there's always gonna be a small group of people that are saying, no, we're, we're, we're gonna go back to the ancient ways and we're gonna believe what God has always been teaching. It was led by a man named Judah Maccabee, and he was a priest that raised up this small army of about 10,000 Jews that were willing to fight and be faithful to the things of God. Now, in the early days, they were using like guerrilla warfare tactics because the Greek army was very organized and, and it had, um, if you think of the Roman army that, that Jesus was dealing with, they were organized. So they would have to do these little guerrilla warfare attacks and they lost several battles, but it did create a lot of havoc for Antiochus. And he, he didn't want there to be any kind of rebellion, so he raised up an army of 60,000 foot soldiers and 5,000 mounted cavalry to go to the land of Israel and to quell this Maccabean rebellion. But just like God 
did in the Bible time and time again in warfare stories where he brought this great victory from an outnumbered minority. And just like God has been doing in, in modern times through the nation of Israel over the last 70 years, that God will take the, the side of the people that stand for truth and stand for righteousness and that will stand up and fight. So this little ragtag army of Jews that, that had faith in God and didn't want to be like the world around them, they fought and God gave them a great victory over the Syrian Greek army and they drove them out of the land of Israel and they retook Jerusalem. So when we talk about Hanukkah, that's the first miracle that God did was that this little ragtag army defeated this massive organized army to liberate Israel, Jerusalem, and the city of worship. So, so then the first thing that happened was Judah, Maccabee, don't forget he was a priest, he called the whole nation to repentance. And he called the people to cleanse and reopen the temple and to worship God again. So, and that's where we really get into the meat of this Hanukkah story. Because they, they went in and they, they cleansed all of the temple from all of the wickedness and the unclean things and the, the, the statue to Zeus and all the pigs. And one of the things they had to do was relight the menorah. The lampstand, because if you remember, I know that you remember Exodus chapter 27 and verse 20, where God said, the people of Israel shall bring pure beaten olive oil for the light, it's talking about the light of the menorah, that lamp may regularly be set up to burn in the tent of meeting and outside the veil that is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons, talking about the priests, they shall tend it evening to morning before the Lord. It is a statue forever to be observed throughout the generations of the people of Israel. So the problem is Judah, uh, he's cleaning out the temple and they get to the golden menorah and the light's out. And they look around and they could only find enough oil for one day. So it was either, all right, do we wait? Because it takes about a week to create more oil or do we just light this thing in faith? And the reason it takes more oil, you just read it in Exodus 27, is that you could not use pressed olive oil. The, the olives could not be crushed. They had to simply be beaten and then left to, to drain, to drip, which is why it took a week to create this holy oil that would go in the lampstand in the temple. So they had this decision make. Do we, do we just by faith relight this thing knowing we only have one day's worth of oil while we wait for more oil to be made? Or do we just wait or do we crush the, the, uh, the olives? Like, what do we do? So Judah and the, the team, they made the decision, we're gonna begin worshiping right here, right now. We're not gonna wait. They, they, they dedicated the temple. They dedicated the menorah. They poured in the oil, even though it was for one day. But God kept the oil in that lamp burning for eight days until they could bring more oil and add it and keep the fire burning. So that is the miracle of Hanukkah. The dedication that, that the Judah and the priests and the people of Israel were dedicated to God. So they lit that light and instead of the oil burning out in one day, God miraculously stretched that oil for eight days. So not only did God have a victory over the armies of the Syrian Greeks, but God also had a victory over mass and volume and he stretched that oil out to burn for eight days when it should have only burned for one. Why? Because God loves when people will take a stand and fight against the culture of this world. God loves when people will take a stand and be a light in the darkness. God loves that, that when he'll give us victory over an enemy that we are way outnumbered. 
because he wants to receive all the glory because he gets the victory in our lives. God loves when people clean out the temple and they would recommit themselves to worship. When God, when, when we'll clean out our Netflix and we'll clean out our search history and we'll clean out our thoughts and our minds and our mouths and we'll dedicate ourselves to the Lord. God loves that Judah and the team did not take a shortcut and used pressed olive oil, but they simply beat the olives and they waited a week because sometimes God wants us to do the more difficult thing. God wants us to do the thing that's gonna take longer where we have to wait on God. We don't just get to take a shortcut for our miracle. God loves when we're willing to take a risk and wait on the Lord and do things God's way instead of the easy way. God loves to show off his light in the darkness through his people, even supernaturally, to just continue to burn in their hearts. I wanna remind you of the menorah, the golden lampstand that stood in the temple, it had seven branches, it had seven arms. But for the last 2,100 years, every December, the Jews will break out a special nine-stemmed menorah called the Hanukkah. And then the, because they're celebrating the eight days, so there's four candles on each side, and then the light in the center of the Hanukkah, they light first. And then that light is what serves the other eight lights, and on each night, they will light another candle for another night that God allowed that oil to burn for eight days. So tonight is the eighth day. Tonight, Jews all around the world will light the eighth and final light on the Hanukkah. Now, you won't see many Hanukkahs in windows in North Texas, but in Israel and in Jewish communities around the world, the Hanukkah is put in the window, maybe in the kitchen window or the living room window, or, or kids will have them in their bedroom. I mean, not with oil and lamps and candles. They'll have a little battery-powered LED one, but um, they'll be, every window is gonna have a Hanukkah because they are publicly saying, our God did a great miracle 2,000 years ago, and we're still celebrating today. In Jewish communities, they'll put a large Hanukkah, and every night the whole community will come and they'll light, each night they'll light another uh, stem of the, for all eight nights. They'll come together and they'll celebrate and they'll eat uh, little chocolates together and they'll eat donuts together because they're fried in oil and they're celebrating what God did with the oil. It's a public declaration of their faith in a miracle working God. And, and I, I, just, I love it. I think it's so beautiful. So, so that whole week, they, it, it's a, it's a week-long, eight-day celebration of family. Um, and then, yeah, Danny, you would love uh, Hanukkah because they eat donuts every day. Um, and uh, because it's, it's a, a little cake, but it's fried in oil. It's, it's a little reminder of what God did 2,100 years ago. So on your way out today, there'll be a donut for each one of you if you are not eating. If you don't cheat, you know, it's not going to make you any closer to God if you break your diet or if you eat gluten and you're not supposed to, but as long as you're allowed to eat a donut, there's a donut waiting for you outside. And when you do, I want you to remember the oil that was multiplied 2,100 years ago. God did a great miracle for the Jewish people by, by keeping that oil burning. The children will spin a dreidel, which is um, a little four-sided top, and you know they'll spin it and it'll fall on different sides. They have different games they play with the dreidel, but if you'll notice on, on all dreidels, it has... Four sides, and it'll have four Hebrew letters. And I guess the transliteration would be, and of course, in Hebrew, it goes from right to left. It would be like N-G-H. And then it depends. The dreidels in Israel will have a P, and the, the dreidels in the rest of the world will have an S. 
because it means nes gadol haya po, which means in Israel, a great miracle happened here. And if you're around the world, you're, it'll say nes gadol haya sham, a great miracle happened there, pointing back to the nation of Israel. So the story of Hanukkah, this is why Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. It was a fairly new festival, but for 180-something years, the Jews had been celebrating the miracle that God did for the Maccabees. And that's why Jesus was celebrating Hanukkah in John chapter 10. I want to warn you, go ahead and put on your seatbelt. Some of you are going to want to put on one of those five-point seatbelts that comes over your shoulders as well, because I'm going to take a hard right turn, and I'm going to talk about some things in our day and age politically today, and then I'm going to tie it all together if I know what I'm doing. (laughs) The ancient Jews got themselves into trouble because they assimilated with the Greek culture around them. They did not stand up to the un to the popular uh, worldview, and they ended up turning their backs on God and, and, and being thinking like and, and acting like and um, being entertained by the things of the Greek world and not by God's things and God's call on their life. The political situation that we face today with politics and the economy and COVID have become so divisive that some Christian leaders are trying to turn this into some sort of holy war. And some people, a lot of people have asked me to say something, and I have not said anything until now. Some have said that wearing a mask or getting the vaccine is the same thing as taking the mark of the beast from Revelation chapter 13. In my opinion, it is not. However, I do think that it is a dress rehearsal, and the devil is watching very clearly how the entire world has united behind one common cause— Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I want to read to you from the book of Revelation of what John saw that would happen one day and this mark that he's talking about. Uh, Revelation chapter 13 says, also it causes all, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that nobody can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast and its number of its name. So this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, the number 666. So we're in a season, more now than ever before, that we need wisdom. We need godly wisdom. We need biblical wisdom. We cannot allow ourselves to think like the world around us. We have to think about God's commands and what his word says and how it affects our life. Even if it becomes so unpopular that we are arrested, we are beaten, we are beheaded, it doesn't matter because if we die, we are with Christ. If we live, we're with Christ. It's, we, we don't lose in this game unless we bow our knee to this world. Let me figure out, so what's the big deal if we take the mark of the beast on our right hand or forehead? Well, it can get pretty awful. Revelation, skip three chapters. Revelation chapter 16 in verse 1. I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, all right, y'all, go pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. So for those that did take the mark of the beast, that did not stay faithful to God, the first bowl of the wrath of God was poured out on them. Fast forward to Revelation chapter 20. So this is the beginning of the thousand-year reign of Jesus on the earth. You do know that Jesus is coming back, and he will reign and rule on the earth for a thousand years. So this is the beginning of that time. I saw thrones and seated on them. Who were sitting on the thrones? 
those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Okay, so I'm interested in who has the authority to judge. The souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. Those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received the mark on their forehead or their hands. They came to life and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So the children of God that stay faithful to the things of God and do not give in to the world view will reign and rule together with Jesus for a thousand years. The ancient Jews, the Hanukkah story, they, they, they gave in, they bowed their knee to the Syrian Greeks because believing like a Greek in that time period was extremely popular. It swept the world. You were an idiot if you didn't believe like the Greeks. We have to learn that that was actually sinning against God because they allowed cultural assimilation from the world to change the people of God. We need to embrace the kingdom of God as if our lives depend on it, as if our church depends on it, as if our community depends on it, or our children or our grandchildren. And we have to fight to keep the ability to honor the ancient ways of the Lord. Even if the entire world is against us, we will not bow our knee. And look at how much ground has been given up over the last 50 or 60 years. The church has already assimilated so much to the world around us. We have to put a mark in the sand and say, all right, no, no more. We are absolutely not going to give in anymore to secular, worldly, anti-God thinking. So people ask me, hey, Pastor Brad, do you think this vaccine is the mark of the beast? No, I do not think the vaccine is the mark of the beast. However, I think that there are aspects of our culture today that are anti-Christ. Abortion, racism, and people the way we hate one another, homosexuality, the fluid gender situation, the sexual promiscuity of all of our entertainment and our thinking, the, the taking the absolute truth of Scripture away from the Word of God. These are issues that we need to recognize this is not biblical truth, this is worldly thinking. It is anti-Christ thinking, anti-God thinking. And we as the people of God will not adopt these thinking, this style of culture to our lifestyle. This does not mean... Some of you are pulling out your Facebooks and your Instagrams to like, yeah, my preacher said. Listen, this does not mean we get to be rude or to be a jerk to people. We are called to love our neighbors, not create more division. Just because we believe differently than other people does not mean there can be any animosity towards other people in this world. Our message is always one of honor, humility, love, grace, repentance, holiness, power, wisdom, compassion. So to be clear, I am not saying that getting a vaccine or wearing a mask is the mark of the beast, but I think it is a very clear dress rehearsal of what it looks like when the entire world, you can't buy or sell or go into a restaurant or fly on an airplane unless you abide by the government's rules. I think we need to be wise. And some people will push back and be like, well, Pastor Brad, it's just to keep everybody healthy and safe. Okay, let's talk about how safe COVID is. I've had COVID once, my wife has had COVID twice. I know that about half of our church has lost a loved one, a brother, an aunt, an uncle, parents to, to the death of COVID the last two years. So let me be very careful in how I communicate this. If you get COVID, 
you have a 99.8% chance of surviving. That's off the CDC's website. The death rate is 0.2%. And of those, the majority of which are elderly, have pre-existing conditions like diabetes or lupus or things that weaken the immune system. So I'm, I'm not saying that if you are elderly or have a pre-existing condition that weakens your immune system that you do not need to be careful. I'm not saying that, you, that there are not crazy bananas things that COVID can sometimes cause. Heart failure, even the fact that it would cause you to lose taste and smell. That's just unnatural. I mean, basically, COVID is a version, a, a stronger version of the flu. The flu is fevers, body aches, chills, usually chest and cough and nasal congestion and all that nonsense. So for this thing to be so strong and so contagious that it, it, it kills people quickly, it causes hearts to stop, it, it causes lungs to get full of crud, it seems unusual to me as a non-medical person. It just seems like there's more at work in this COVID thing, which has caused a worldwide scare and a fear. So I am not saying that COVID and all of that is the Antichrist. However, it has unified the entire world to draw lines where you're allowed to eat in my restaurant, you're not allowed to eat. You're allowed to work in my company, you're not allowed to work in my company. And that makes me feel uncomfortable because that's what the Antichrist will do one day. So do I think this is it? No. Do I think this is a dress rehearsal? And the devil's like, oh, okay, that was pretty easy. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and I think the church needs to know their Bible. You need to read your Bible more now than ever before, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. You need to live awake and mature. You, no more limp-wristed, mamby-pamby, kumbaya, coasting through Christianity. Th th that was fine for another generation that will not work anymore. You have got to live somber. You've got to live mature. You've got to live faithful and dedicated to the things of God. You've got to be a person of prayer. You've got to be a person of the word. You've got to be a person of faith. You've got to be a person of humility and grace and power and, 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 and just that you are radical for Jesus. You need to live like a light in, a, in an ever-darkening world. The world is stumbling around, tripping over their, themselves in darkness. We need to be people of light. Our homes, like here's where I, I swing it back to Hanukkah, our homes need to, to be public demonstrations of light to a community that's in darkness and fear and stumbling about. Everything in your life should reflect God's light. And don't forget, it's an ever-increasing kingdom. For 2,000 years, it is an ever-increasing kingdom. The kingdom of God should ever be increasing in your life. So don't allow even a little bit of darkness into your life into your mind, into your thoughts, into your entertainment, into your phone, into your computer, tablet, into, into your Netflix. Draw a line and say, I, I, I will not allow darkness into my life. I am gonna live so full of the light of Jesus that everywhere I go, I shine that light. I, I already read to you, and I'll read it again here in a minute, from John chapter 10, when it said at the beginning that Jesus was in Jerusalem in the winter to celebrate the Feast of Dedication. He was there to celebrate Hanukkah. But Two chapters earlier, John chapter 8, it also says that Jesus was in Jerusalem. And John chapter 9, Jesus healed a blind man and a large number of Pharisees were not okay because they'd rather have that man be blind and in pain than experience the power of God. And Jerusalem was the headquarters for the Pharisees around the world. So it does not say that Jesus went to Jerusalem in John chapter 8 
and stayed for the miracle of healing the blind man in nine and then was there for Hanukkah at the beginning of 10. However, if you read it just from an obvious timeline, it would imply that Jesus and the boys went to Jerusalem in John chapter eight and that's where he spoke. And you're like, dude, you've just lost me. That was stupid. Well, what does John chapter eight say? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I have to imagine that Jesus and the boys were walking through Jerusalem and there was a crew of people building Hanukkah. And they were, they were, I have to imagine, it's right before Hanukkah and they're building a large Hanukkah and Jesus walks up next to it and the crowd stops and he goes, and this is in John chapter eight, verse 12, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but they're gonna have the light of life. See, what happened is, During the Passover, Jesus fulfilled Passover by becoming the Passover lamb for all of mankind. During Pentecost, he fulfilled the Feast of Pentecost by pouring out his power and presence in every single one of us that live a spirit-filled life. During the Feast of Trumpets, he will fulfill it when he comes back at the trumpet blast in the second coming. Jesus fulfilled Hanukkah by becoming the light of the world and by laying down his life to serve and light each one of our hearts on fire. See, we have been called out of a pagan world around us, and we have to make a choice to live like strangers, like aliens, like foreigners, because it's more and more the world is gonna be acting and sounding and talking like a certain way. We have to stay faithful to the things of God no matter what. Hop up on your feet as I wrap this up. (laughs) Here's an interesting thought. I know it's not in our canon of scripture, but if the Lord had not done a great miracle and the victory for the Maccabees over the Syrian Greco army and by stretching out that oil as they were re-instituting temple worship, if, if it weren't for Hanukkah, we wouldn't have Christmas. Because think about how the temple was the central theme in all four gospels in the Jesus story. That they were actively worshiping back in the temple again. That that's where John the Baptist said that whole bit of prophecy his dad went into the temple. And that's where on the the eighth day, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple. That's where Jesus, Jesus is the central figure for the New Testament, but the second central figure is the temple. And that style of worship was restored during Hanukkah. Now, I'm not saying that had God not done that miracle, that Jesus wouldn't have come. He was absolutely gonna send Jesus as Messiah for the whole world. But I think our story would look different if it weren't for the miracle of what God did in Hanukkah. So, it's a miracle that we celebrate God's light in the temple. It paved the way for Jesus to be the light of the world. So, I'll often get asked, hey, so should Christians celebrate Hanukkah? We don't have to, but why not? Jesus did. WWJD. Or was that just a bracelet? See, Uncommon Church, we celebrate Easter, but we also celebrate Passover. So why not celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah? I have a regret as a parent. I haven't told Josie this. We did celebrate Hanukkah when we lived in Israel, but we stopped celebrating Hanukkah when we moved back to the United States. I wish that we would have kept with it. And I'm gonna institute Hanukkah and Christmas for our grandkids. That when they go over to grandpa and grandma's house at the beginning of December, they're gonna celebrate for eight days. Plus, I just want my family over for eight days in a row. 
We're gonna, we're gonna celebrate the victory that God did. So why not celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah? Or since Jesus wasn't born in December and Christmas has pagan roots, why not only celebrate Hanukkah, WWJD, right? <clears throat> Let me read that verse of scripture that I opened with an hour ago. 30 minutes ago, that wasn't bad. John chapter 10. At the time of the Feast of Dedication, was taking place in Jerusalem, it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. The Jews gathered around him and said, hey, JC, how long are you gonna keep us in suspense? Are you the Christ or not? Just tell me straight. Jesus said, dude, I did tell you, but you didn't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, those works, those miracles, they bear witness about me. But you didn't believe, why? Because you're not one of my sheep. My sheep, they hear my voice. I know them, they know me, they follow me. Here's my question for you today and for those of you that are watching online. Is Jesus your shepherd? Are you one of his sheep? Is Jesus your Messiah? Do you know his voice? Do you follow him? Is he the light that has set your heart on fire? Have you been faithful to the things of God even when the world around you has become increasingly anti-Christ? Have you given yourself over to the fear of COVID, the fear of death, the fear of the economy, the fear of all that is wrapped up in the moral decline of our culture? Or have you stayed faithful to the things of God? Because the call is to be like a Maccabee. Repent of our sin. Cleanse the temple of your heart. Light the lamp of Jesus to be a light in the darkness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Hanukkah. I thank you for the miracle that you did in raising up 10,000 Maccabees to fight for truth and freedom. I thank you for the miracle that you did by reinstituting temple worship and by cleansing the temple of unrighteousness and by getting that light miraculously burning in the temple and in the hearts of men once again. Jesus, we pray that this Hanukkah season, you would do it in our hearts. You would do it in our church. You would do it in our city. That regardless of the popular opinion of the culture of the world around us, we will stand for righteousness. We will stand for holiness. We will stand for the word of God. We will not bow our knee. We will publicly and, and, and boldly declare the goodness of God. In fact, I want to put a big Hanukkah outside next Christmas, next year for Hanukkah. And every night for eight nights, we'll come together and light it. How about that? Yeah. Golly, I wish we'd done that this year. Dog. Jesus, I pray that our church would be a light in the darkness. I pray that we would advance into 2022. And like Josie prayed earlier, we would see more people born again in these next few months than we've ever seen in our church and other churches in our city's community, in our area. Lord, let it start right here. If you want revival in our city, just draw a circle right around you and say, Lord, start right here. Started my heart, started my home, started my marriage, started my kids and my grandkids, started my school. Set my heart on fire. Be a light that is not arrogant and proud and rude and causing division, but a light that brings warmth and peace and joy and humility and grace. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So Lord, make us kind to people that need to repent. With your eyes closed, I just want you to think about the goodness of God. See, some of us have really sinned against God. We've got people in our church that have served time. They've committed real crimes. We've got people that have, 
We've got people that have beaten their, their spouse, gone to jail for it. We've got people that were drug traffickers. We've got people that have committed adultery. We've got people that have come out of homosexual lifestyles. We've got people that um, didn't know God. We've got people in our church that you might not believe this, that were so hurt by church that they said, I'll never be involved in another church again. And yet God has healed their broken heart and they're right back here in our church. We've got families in our church that were unable to get pregnant, that have adopted and now have miracle babies that God gave them natural babies. We've seen people that have been healed of abuse. We've got people in our church that have been sexually assaulted and abused and God has healed them. We've got people that when they were younger and they didn't know God that had abortions and they lived with that pain their whole life, but God has completely healed and restored their soul that was so broken. See, God loves when people of faith will stand up for truth and for righteousness and they'll contend for the faith, that ancient faith, that we will not give in to modern anti-God, anti-Christ thinking. If you're here this morning or maybe you're watching online and you're like, crud, I, I need to get right with God. My heart has grown cold. My, my knee is bowed a little bit to the worldly thinking. I've allowed sin back into my life. I, I need to get right with God. Uh, he, that light in your heart has, has, has been getting more and more dim as the oil's been running out. So I wanna lead you in a prayer of repentance and dedication to, the, to God. It might be the first time in your life you've ever prayed a prayer like this. It might be the first time in a long time. So wherever you are, whether you're sitting home, even if you're home right now and you're by yourself, you're, you're watching this on YouTube, it, it could be right now live or it could be a month from now and your heart is pounding out of your chest. That's the love of God. He's just, he said, I'm not mad at you. Like, Lord, you don't know what I've done. Lord's like, dude, I know exactly what you've done. I took that sin to the cross 2,000 years ago. Today is the day where he's not just gonna cover that sin, he wants to remove it from your life. And he'll forget about it. He'll wash you, cleanse you, set your heart on fire. So if you're at home or you're here in the room this morning and you need to get right with God, either for the first time or the first time in a long time, I'd like to pray for you, but I would like to know who I'm praying for nobody's really looking around, would you just shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. I see your hand, and I see your hand, and I see your hand, and I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Shoot your hand. I see your hand. Just shoot your hand up real high. Wow. Yay, God. Yay, God. What about you? I saw four or five people just raise their hand and say, I've got to get right with God today. Right there in your living room, right there in your bedroom. Just raise your hand between you and God and say, Lord, today is my day. Why don't we all pray this prayer together? If you believe it in your heart, pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, cleanse the temple of my heart. Forgive me. I repent for sinning against you, for thinking like this world, for allowing that light to grow cold. Set my heart on fire. Let me be a light in the darkness. Let me demonstrate your goodness, your love, your power to a lost and dying world. Be the savior of my soul. Do a Hanukkah miracle in my heart. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I bless and honor your holy name. And if you believe that, what does the church say, amen? Amen, 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 I'm so proud of you. 
Golly, I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you at home. Listen. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.